It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornchain. Well, everybody, welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornchain. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs. And I'm excited that you're tuning in again today. I am so thrilled to be back with you. Here it is, 2023. Last week, we had a very special guest, Miss Ann Graham Lotz, was on the program. And really, she laid out her heart of why she feels that we are in perhaps the last days, the end times, the, the, the final sequence of events, even before the rapture, before the tribulation period, ultimately before the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Really, that's what we put our eyes on. It's not the adversity the world will go through for what will be a very short period of time by the scope of eternity, but really to know that these things are on the horizon. And and so we want to talk a little bit more about that today, that the time is short and we need to be seizing the moments the Lord has given to us with every breath in our body that we give the Lord the praise that he is deserving of and ultimately our full undivided attention to his word to the great commission and to the work that god has before us as ambassadors for jesus christ our lord so we've got a very serious subject here today as we begin over these last now two weeks uh, entering into 2023 to to put a proper paradigm before us of what we're going into not just in these united states but around the world so to help me to do this Dr. Steve Ford is back in the studio with us. Dr. Ford, so good to have you back, my friend. Thank you, John. It's so great to be back. What a great topic to kick off 2023. And it makes me think of uh, from Psalm 103. I think it's part of what we're discussing today. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field mm-hmm. and the wind passes over it. And it's, it's gone. His place knows it no more. That's and right. just uh, the brevity of life. We've been given this one opportunity never in the rest of eternity will we have the opportunity to serve our Heavenly Father in this way? That's right. So we really need to just embrace this moment, this opportunity. One thing, after we discussed it on the radio show, I think you did such a great job when we covered the millennium, mm. that uh, when we think about these things, we think about tribulation, but really I focus on the I'm so excited about the millennium after right. after we discussed it, and I'm just looking forward for that time together. But this is a great show to uh, prepare us for these end times and how we can best serve our Heavenly Father. That's right. And it's not to be discouraged. No, not at all. Right. I think the right perspective in this is an urgency and, a, and an excitement that what we believe the the word of god has unveiled to us it has revealed it that i e the book of revelation it's not the book of mystery it's a book of revealing to tell us that these things were going to happen that we not be surprised right. and that we not be taken off guard but rather knowing that prophecy will be fulfilled and there are 355 prophecies of jesus christ's first coming and we know that there are at least 5 to 7 prophecies of his second coming for every single prophecy of his first coming. So you're talking over 1,500 prophecies all related to his second coming. So if every prophecy that's ever been given that's already been fulfilled has been fulfilled perfectly as it said that it would, we know that we can hold the Bible true that these prophecies will come to pass and they're happening now in such rapid succession. And I don't necessarily mean the ultimate fulfillment of a singular prophecy, but certainly the building blocks toward these fulfilled prophecies, we should actually be excited to go look. This is happening on our watch. 
the, the Lord may be indicating to all of us, like the sons of Issachar, that we examine the signs of the times, we know what we're to do, that we see these things happening, and there should be then such urgency in our heart that we want to serve faithfully, wholly with every breath that's been given to us, especially when we see such brevity around us. I, the mortality of certain individuals' lives, people we just see coming and going, and, and it doesn't matter what age and how quickly people are passing before our eyes and and how, how quickly things are just ever elusive to us. It, the things that matter to us may not have such value anymore. And I believe that's that's part of the work God is doing in believers' lives to say, look how quickly these things fade away. You, you need to be living for holiness, living for the glory of God while there is breath in your body may be used to his praise. Even like Anna in the temple, all she did was pray and fast. That was her mission, and what a mission to be had. She was a widow of 84 years, and all she did was praise God with every moment, with every breath, with every available waking moment. And it's like that, I believe, is what God is calling us to do in our workplaces, in our relationships. Let's not put stock in anything else that is not holy of God's glorious work and purpose. We have been called to a higher standard to be soldiers for Jesus Christ. Let's kick off our time with Ephesians chapter 5, because it's going to get away from us here. But Ephesians 5, 15 to 16, we read, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. We've got to redeem the time. The Lord has given us ample warning of these things, and he wants us to know that we live obediently. Now, the prophecies that I've been talking about in rapid succession here, let me just give you a few of things that are happening right now on our watch. We've read an awful lot about Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, in which we understand that the Antichrist will broker a peace treaty with Israel. Now, that seems to mean that there was an, a reason for that. Perhaps there's a war. Perhaps there's the, the rumors of war, the fear of war. Whatever it is seems to drive this. Now, some people believe, as I do, that maybe Psalm 83 is a, a prelude to that. Uh, there's a war that breaks out. There's a peace treaty that's signed, then Ezekiel 38 occurs, maybe it's mid-trib or into the Battle of Armageddon itself, but there's a peace treaty, and this one who brokers it seems to be in Israel's favor, and, and we see that ultimately he breaks this treaty of seven years, three and a half years in, declares himself to be God. There's an abomination of desolation that occurs in which this temple that was being rebuilt is desecrated. He calls himself to be God. And then the final three and a half years are known as the Great Tribulation, the Great Philipsis. But what I have seen already, and I believe that our listeners have already seen if they've been paying attention to the news at all, is this thing called the Abraham Accords. And really, we saw that that was signed, put into effect during Trump's administration. And some just thought maybe it would go away, that because treaties with Israel are few and far between. We'd only seen one with Egypt and Jordan. And then all of a sudden, you see other Muslim countries now joining this, i.e. The, the reason why it's called Abraham Accords, because of Father Abraham and their unity in him. And so this now has expanded with multiple countries, possibly even Saudi Arabia, coming on board with this agreement. And 30 nations met over the Abraham Accords on December 8th. So we're just talking a month ago, 
All of this was even expounded upon in a way we've never seen with Israel before. Could this be the prelude then to what we read in Daniel 9.27? Only time will tell. It certainly is very interesting to see that on our on our watch. Then we've read on, we've talked about this even on air, and, and Dr. Ford, we had a special guest even in the studio talking about the red heifers. And, uh, and of course, that, that debate, that dialogue comes up on and off because sure. red heifers seem to come and go. But the ones they found in particular, I believe these were in Texas, the ones that they discovered were actually truly the, the red heifers they were seeking. And the reason for that is because they'll be able to consecrate the altar. And we think, well, that's all fine and dandy. There's still no altar to be uh, consecrated. So what's the point? Well, simultaneously, the Third Temple Project, according to Levi Hassan, has broken ground. This was just a couple weeks before Christmas. There's a few videos out there, very little media coverage on this. There is a groundbreaking ceremony just outside of Jericho that was to serve now as a training ground for the priestly duties of the Third Temple. So their goal here is to reconstruct the Second Temple specs. So the same size altar, the, the, all of the, the flooring going into this, the same height of the second temple, everything of the holy of holy structure, uh, the, the various gates going into the various courts. They want to reconstruct much of this so that they can make it a training ground for these priests. Now that tells me that they are urgently, they are moving swiftly toward this desire to rebuild the third temple. And just recently, we've, we've heard of new discoveries, even just outside of Hezekiah's tunnel, that seem to indicate the bathing location, the cleansing area of going into the temple has now been rediscovered. They keep finding all these old roads, uh, the, the steps and the various pools, even the pool where the blind man was healed by Jesus, all of this now coming open to the public to the first for the very first time. And all of this under our watch, and that means that they're very close to discovering the actual threshing floor in the basin areas of where the temple stood, because that's constantly under debate about whether or not where the Al-Aqsa Mosque or the Dome of the Rock, or is it just adjacent to that, closer to the city of David? I mean, we're talking yards away from each other, but if that's the case near Hezekiah's tunnel where the waterway is flowing... That means if they say that that was actually the base area, the, the temple structure area stood there, they could start construction tomorrow. Wow. So, I mean, they are moving swiftly with these things in preparation to rebuild a temple while simultaneously Israel is now trying to broker peace with all of its neighboring countries. But also there's this possibility we've been hearing about this looming, growing tension with Israel and Iran. And it's possible that Israel's already, they've talked about now preparing their citizens for war with Iran, a preemptive strike, lest they have nuclear weapons at their fingertips. So there, there's already that tension that's brewing, which seems to be a biblical prophecy being fulfilled there as well. We know that uh, with with Syria, they're not going to fare well in that. Damascus especially, and that's Isaiah right. speaks of the entire city being totally destroyed. And the Golan Heights there, this natural barrier that separates Israel from Syria, and Syria seems to be the, the brewing ground of all of this where this battle will take place. Again, more prophecy fulfilled there in Isaiah if that actually happens. Simultaneously around the world, 
We're seeing crazy things happen. 2022 showed us what people were willing to do to preserve their way of life when we were still in the fallout of COVID, and we still keep hearing that brewing and continuing coming up in in new variants and so forth, even in China. But Sweden decided to take matters into their own hands and start issuing RFID tags to their citizens in which their hands were were injected with a little microchip. 6,000 people and counting have already accepted that, that their transactions would now come by way of this little microchip embedded into their hands. That was just a year ago, and it continues to build in popularity. Digital currency is now already rolling out in test markets. We've already heard about this is not water cooler talk anymore. It's not those people who were labeled as conspiracy theorists. Already, they've been talking about the UN's agenda, 2030 agenda, that kicks off this year. Seven years, they're going to try to move people away from ownership of things. Uh, moving us away from meat and all of these other things they've been talking about to try to preserve the environment. And that seems to be the issue here. Environmentalism is now ruling over the day. And they had a huge meeting about all of this at the Sinai Peninsula at the end of 2022. So that's well underway. And then while this is all going on, America continues to flaunt its sexual immorality, challenging any possibility that the Supreme Court could overrule anything of protecting same-sex marriage. They took matters into their own hands, lifting fists before the holiness of God, saying, we're going to define what marriage is from this day forward, and we're going to have it our way. We don't care what the Word of God says. We're going to do what we want to do with regard to what we define as marriage. And there seems to be no end to this, of this immorality that we flaunt before the holiness of God, and we know that he will only deal with it for so long. And we see that evidenced in Sodom and Gomorrah. That was designed, and that whole judgment was to be carried through, that the nations would learn from what happened there. Even Jude describes that. And yet we constantly see these things as, uh, well, it's our way, not God's way. We're going to do things the way we want to do them, and we're going to completely ignore history. We're not going to learn from the past at all, because that's what rebellion does. And so while all of this is going on, we haven't, we've not even scratched the surface, mind you, that these sort of things happening on our watch then cause us to have to ask the question, are we on the threshold of the tribulation period? Many calendars I even received over the Christmas holidays were that whole season of Christmas. I received several interesting calendars of of individuals who've been tracking the Shemitah cycles, the final Jubilee cycles. There is a a constant uh, image here, a consistency in what's been presented that we are in these final years, not necessarily the final seven, but certainly getting very close to the return of the king. Certainly getting very close to that final seven-year period that's going to be the hardest unlike any other time in human history. And we say all of that not to cause consternation, not to cause alarm, but to wake up a sleepy church. That We've got lives to save out there. We've got work to be done, and there doesn't seem to be a great deal of urgency at all. We're, we're just content with going through the way things are. All we seem to be fixated on is inflation cost of going to the grocery store, putting gas in our cars, as opposed to the mission that is before us. If this is the final hour before the coming of the king, what would he want you to be doing with the hours that he's given to you? So there's a battle waging all around us, 
And simultaneously, we have this glorious hope that's before us of the rapture of the church. We've talked about that on air, Dr. Ford, of the, oh, yeah. you know, the harpazo, and that's a wonderful hope that is before us. Many debate the timing of sure. it, uh, how it all com- occurs. If you're dispensational thinking, uh, then you would believe that that occurs before the final seven years. And we don't know exactly how far before those seven years unfold. It could happen tomorrow. Right. We may not even get through this broadcast that <laughs> we could be harpazoed out of here. So it, what is the pulse in the church today? And I find that it feels... Maybe that's a dangerous thing to say, but I don't want emotion to lead the way here, that we just don't get it, that we don't understand that there's a spiritual battlefield before us. Lives are being lost, souls being taken into the throes of hell that will never know true living in Jesus Christ, life eternal with the King, and we're too busy being preoccupied with what? What really has paved the way for us today? Where's our emphasis? The Bible documents 354 encounters with demons and Satan in the Hebrew and Greek texts. So you have to get that paradigm right that the battle is real. This is not fiction. It's not the work of historians just writing about old day encounters. This is real. It's it's right now. It's happening real time. And we're sitting on our hands and not fulfilling the Great Commission. So we're, we're called out here to be soldiers of Jesus Christ. And it's time that we act like it. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, 18 and 19, he says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience. Now, I love that word there, the good Warfare. We don't really think of warfare as good, but in this, the the word there, stratuo, is a campaign. It's a strategy. It's a noble battle. It's a long-term engagement. This is not just a one-off skirmish, and I think as believers, that's what we would rather have. Uh, in, in my walk with the Lord, I'm going to have one battle, that's it, right. and, and then I get to go back to doing whatever it was that I was doing, right? Uh, back to the golf course, uh, I don't really have to engage in any more war. Right. And that's not what he's calling us to at all. This is as long as you are in this vessel, you are going to go through the battles every single day because you carry the message of truth in a culture of darkness. You have the lies of Satan that are permeating this world, and you are bringing the truth of Jesus Christ into that, of course there's going to be friction. There's going to be a struggle. You can't be a light bearer in the darkest of caves and not experience some opposition to that. And this that means we've got to have a paradigm shift, I think, as believers. We're just not comfortable in that idea of presenting ourselves as a soldier, and that's exactly what he calls us to do. And so Paul's not calling him to just a, a one-off thing here. He's saying that this is going to be something you have got to be prepared for. The enemy is encroaching on everything, even into the church there in Ephesus. Error was being taught. False leaders were in positions of prominence. Godlessness was running amok. And so Timothy needed to get armored up for battle. It started right there in the church, get everything cleaned up, get the soldiers ready for the battlefield that was before them, take the battle seriously, and get ready for the fight. It was time to get back to boot camp. And I I don't think believers see that at all. We're constantly enamored with our entertainment and and not with our devotion to Jesus Christ. And I don't mean to come down hard on everybody who's listening right now, but I think this is a very serious situation that we face here, that there's a spiritual 
battlefield before us. He tells us in Revelation 12, 17, and the dragon was enraged with the woman and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So it's not that the devil was just, oh, you know, a little irritated by Christians. He goes to make war against the offspring of the woman here. And this is what we understand is of Jesus Christ. He brings the message of hope, uh, the, the seed of the woman that would ultimately crush the head of Satan. And, and this is in, in those who have the commandments of God before them, the testimony of Jesus Christ to follow in that. These are the ones who are enemies of the state. They are enemies of Satan. They bring a message that is counter to what he's presenting. Of course, he's going to be the roaring lion who seeks to devour. He wants to destroy us. If not for God's mercy every single day, there wouldn't be breath in our bodies to even be had. The enemy would have torn us limb from limb yesterday if he'd had his will. But praise be to God that the only wounds that we experience today are those that are permissible by God for our testing, the strengthening of our faith for the difficult days that are before us. So the battlefield isn't in a faraway land. It's right here. It's all around us. So we have to follow Jesus Christ. That's why he wants us to take up the cross and follow him. We talked about this in the radical teachings of Jesus, which we're still going through. We'll pick up here again. But this means you grab the plowshare. You do not look back. You are in the battle space. He tells us in Ephesians 6, 10 to 13, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And then he tells Timothy, once again, Paul writes to him in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 to 4, and he says, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. That's right. We've got to wake up, oh sleepy church. We're in a battle space and many of us are AWOL. We're not even showing up to church on a regular basis. We're rarely picking up the Bible. We don't know the instruments of our warfare. We're not strengthened in prayer. And the battle just continues to wage around us. And we have no idea what's going on, nor are we the sons of Issachar understanding the signs of the times that we live in. And so, I, yes, I'd rather give you a rosy picture and just spoon feed everybody all the confidence they need and encouragement that the rest of 2023 is not going to be filled with adversity at all, that would be a lie. I truly believe that we are in the throes of the beginning of the coming of the Lord. That means the days are going to get tougher before they get better. Our faith is going to be stretched. We're going to be challenged. It's going to be harder to be a Christian in this area and time. And, and we're seeing it all around us. We've got leaders that are taking us far away from our moorings, spending money like it grows on trees, acting as if there'll be no challenges down the road for doing such. And we know that's that's impossible. Of course, there's going to be difficulty. So what are we going to do about it? Do we complain? Do we turn to social media and just gripe about these things? Or do we really armor up for a spiritual battle, start sharing the gospel with anyone and everyone who will listen, living it faithfully, being authentic believers in prayer and devotion to his word. If you've not read and gone through at least a one-year Bible reading plan, start now 
get strengthened up spiritually even more so than physically. I mean, physical exercise is okay, but spiritual exercise leads to godliness. And I'll tell you this, God is more concerned about your holiness than your happiness. Your happiness will follow when we learn what holiness is and how to live like that. And Dr. Ford, I haven't given you much time today, and I know you've been nodding in agreement, (laughs) and I know you and I are both in agreement over all of this. But any final thoughts for those who are listening today? No, I think you've covered it well, John. I just was thinking about uh, listening to a pastor recently talking with someone in the persecuted church, a pastor in the persecuted church, saying, isn't it so hard to to pastor there? And he said, no, I think it's much harder for you because you don't know exactly where your people are on the spectrum in regards to their passion for Jesus Christ. The people who are in the persecuted church, you know where they stand. Mm -hmm. They're making a stand. But in the American church, people attending church, you have no idea where they are. That's right. And how strong they are. Yeah. Are they ready to let go of the Western first world country right. creature comforts? Yeah. All the things that were acclimated to? What if all of that was gone tomorrow? Right. I mean, in the blink of an eye. Could easily happen. It could be all gone tomorrow. But if we are strong in the Lord, what more do we need? He tells us in Romans 8.31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us. In Psalm 27, 1, he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Again, we have this great comfort and knowing that if we are with Jesus Christ, we have everything we need. We are more than conquerors in him. And he has a great and glorious plan for us. Every hair upon our head is already tracked. He knows every moment that we're about to go through. He's already seen the end from the beginning, according to Isaiah 46.10. He knows what he's doing. And all we have to do is submit to his glorious plan. It's like marching around Jericho. We haven't seen the walls fall yet. (laughs) But if we're obedient and we keep marching, let God do the rest. And he will, brothers and sisters, be encouraged. We're fighting the good fight. I want to thank you for listening to Engage in Truth today. And I want to encourage you to listen in again next week. If you missed any portion of this broadcast, want to go back and listen to it, share it with your friends and family alike, you can check us out at calvaryfountain.com. This is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain. And Valley Church and services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays and we'd love to see you there. God bless you my friends. Take care.